Greetings, parish orphans of retrogrades. Happy Monday. I come to you after a weekend where we're celebrating the Virgin Mary, a week where we're celebrating the Virgin Mary, a month where we're celebrating the Virgin Mary. And things got dusty on Twitter yesterday in regard to the teaching of the Blessed Virgin Mary. I'll tell you one thing right now, parish orphans and retrogrades. This was two and a half months late. Because this book, The Case for Patriarchy, which is selling, selling off the shelves, actually, according to the publisher, it's, it's been out for two and a half months. I told you that feminism, endemic to the original sin, feminism, which is endemic to, of course, all of leftism, secular leftism, and feminism, which is now endemic to even the right wing, including the Catholic right wing, is the beating heart of, of all leftism, of all global leftism. And of course, I, I make the case for that in the book, uh, The Case for Patriarchy. So I, it's been two and a half months, and the book came out on October the 1st. And I was, wonder, I was sincerely wondering, you can ask Steph, we, we've had all kinds of funny inter, interference, demonic stuff, private interference throughout the last year. But most of that was private happenings, uh, you know, friends and family and, and strange things. What hasn't shown up until yesterday on Twitter, no, the no man's land of Twitter, which is not a real place, was uh, there was just very little static. The reviews are off the charts on this thing. Everyone that reads it loves it, and I don't know what to make of it. Yesterday, uh, in in honor of it was actually the the tweet went out a few hours before yesterday uh the bishop an auxiliary of boston made a tweet calling the blessed virgin mary the uh greatest evangelist in the history of christendom okay this this i, I understand the spirit clearly uh the bishop was just trying to praise the virgin mary I, I think that's entirely appropriate. We, I, we already had some shows lined up with, with faithful priests. We're going to do one later this week. I didn't want to mix it up with this show. He was going to come on and help defend me. I've had him on the show before. But um, I'm looking at a tweet from a, a text from him right now. But we're going to do that show later in the week. So here's, here's the point. Um, I responded to the bishop. Mary's, uh, she's the greatest saint but she didn't evangelize at all in life, which is factotum, right? This is just so central to who the Blessed Virgin Mary is. Those of you who have read The Case for Patriarchy know that feminism is endemic to the original sin. Adam acting like a wife, the wife Eve acting like Adam. And because of them, I'm going to read you basically evidence from the patristics, the scholastics, all saying women can't teach, which is what this boils down to. Because a woman tried to teach Adam, we all came to ruin. That is Chrysostom uh, on Matthew chapter 212. Uh, sorry, Timothy, my namesake, chapter 212. So women are not permitted to teach publicly, which includes the Blessed Virgin Mary. That's the upshot. But, but you have to understand how endemic... Adam and Eve are, to the new Adam and the new Eve 
in terms of their soteriological value. The new Adam, of course, is Jesus. The new Eve is Mary. Uh, and so, okay, here's the thing. Adam was omissive when he should have been commissive. He's the husband. The male is supposed to be the active principle. The female is the, uh, the passive principle. The male is supposed to be the expressive principle. The female is the receptive principle. These terms come from the Thomistic manualist uh, traditions and, and, and older older traditions than that, like the patristics. I forget which ones. Male is active and expressive. Female is passive and receptive. Adam and Eve fell because of feminism, because Adam stood down. He didn't do dialogue on behalf of his family. He wasn't expressive. Eve was. And Chrysostom says, because of this, we all came to death. Jerome agrees. Ambrose. Augustine. Aquinas. Right about this. Because Eve did dialogue with the serpent, we all came to ruin. Because she attempted to teach. And this wasn't really even public teaching. The public-private distinction is going to be very important. Um, there are lots of distinctions to make here. And you will see how important each one of them is. This is a 100% crystal clear teaching of the Catholic Church. I've come to you guys before with news and said, this is a bit speculative. But 100% crystal clarity. Adam was supposed to be active and was passive, and Eve was supposed to be passive and was active, and we came to death because of this teaching by Eve of her husband. Now, Jesus is the best man ever to walk the planet. Mary is the best woman ever to walk the planet, and they undid Adam and Eve, right? Mors per Avum, vita per Mariam, as it goes. Death through Eve, life through Mary. By, by setting things to rights, Jesus was utterly, utterly efficacious. Everything he did was a sign and an action. He was utterly active. That's what men are supposed to be. That's what's wrong with this whole gynocentric age of ours. Mary is called the queen of heaven and the greatest of all the saints because of her superlative passivity. What is the holiest thing she ever did? She said, amen, be it done to me what your will is, Lord. Trent Horn has written uh, many, many good articles on this, that when we're considering why is the Blessed Virgin Mary so holy, don't focus on what she did, focus on what she didn't do. She's the receptive principle. Jesus is the expressive principle, okay? So that's really, really important when we're talking about the verb to evangelize, which, is, which means to teach publicly about Christianity. We, we don't, it's not used in regard to other faiths. It means to bring the good news. It literally comes, this expression, to evangelize, that the good bishop used it, and I gave the friendly reminder that I just read you. I said, in life, Mary did none of this. Um, it, it's important. Because it means to bring the good news in the sense of Matthew's gospel, the Great Commission, you know, being sent out. And um, it was all males who were sent out. No surprise. It was all male Jesus who had to undo Adam, who was essentially cucked by his wife. Which is feminism at the beating heart of the original sin and the fall from all grace. This is a big deal. So when the bishop says, oh, Mary, Mary evangelized in the sense of taught publicly, and he had a picture of Our Lady of Guadalupe, it was the feast day, 
Um, I said, well, I get what, what I'm, the subtext is, of course, of course, we get what he's saying. Five days ago, to show you I get what he's saying, I did a show with Elliot Holes, and I repeated something that I've been repeating on podcasts for three years, which is, at my most removed period of life, during high school and college, undergrad college, from the church, there was two things keeping me interested at all in Christianity. One was the writings of Dostoevsky, who's Eastern Orthodox, and two was the third secret of Fatima. So, of course, having said this a dozen times, at least publicly, that one of the apparitions of Mary has public value, uh, has, has, has public value that can be received by me, even though it's private revelation. Of course, I would acknowledge, yes, there, there's some evangelical appeal in that. No small amount. But when we talk about to evangelize, we're talking about, in the primary sense, the Great Commission, to be sent out publicly to teach, uniquely male. And then we're also going to talk about sacred scriptures, inerrant uh, admonition in cha uh, for, uh, Timothy chapter 2, verse 12, against women teaching in church. Now, I guess I'll skip to this. The three most common conceptions on my, my tweet to the bishop, which got, it blew up, it was a firestorm, got ratioed by all conceivable uh, expanses of the term. There are three main misconceptions that are so easily set to rights, mainly just by reading 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 12. But so what people first said was this, J.D., not J.D. Vance, he's the populist guy, J.D. Right. Flynn. J.D. Flynn said, oh, well, yes, Tim, homiletics. Women are not allowed to partake in homiletics. But he treated me as if I was playing upon some technicality, right? Some technicality, well, no women are priests, which, which isn't meaningless, by the way. But no women are priests, so you're just expanding this slight area of teaching, and you're treating it as if it represents all teaching. What I said to him was, JD, you're exactly correct. Homiletics is only what priests are allowed to do. We're not talking about what I'm allowed to do. I'm a layman. I'm a Catholic layman. I am called to preach the gospel publicly, right? Uh, and, uh, in English, we, we make this distinction between preach and teach, theological lexicon. I'm called to teach, to bring Let's use that term. It's better. Bring the gospel publicly because I am a lay man. So we're not talking about outside of church. Of course, homiletics alone are not the distinction that St. Paul is making when he time and time and time and time again, all of the instances are written chapter and verse in this cup, Caves for Patriarchy. There's many verses, but I'm talking about 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 12. He's not only talking about homiletics. That would be useless because obviously women aren't priests because of the, the patriarchy in the first place. So you have to understand, this is the first major um, error. Oh, well, he just means homiletics. No, 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 no. You're wrong. This is why this book needed to be written. Women are forbidden from teaching publicly about Christianity. And if you don't believe St. Paul or you think he's being specific and I'm over-universalizing a principle, look at what Chrysostom said. Look at what Jerome said. Look at what Augustine said. Look at what Aquinas said. I'll, I'll read you something Aquinas said right now. 
But first, I want to go to the second most common misconception on Twitter in my uh, uh, undue ratio. Actually, it's due. This is what this is what people do. They they get these fine, subtle concepts wrong. That's fine. That's why you write books. Uh, so they said they were like, oh, well, so I guess I should tell my mom, you know, buzz off for for teaching me when I was a kid because I'm a male. Thanks a lot, mom, for teaching me the Baltimore catechism. Eh, wrong. Women are allowed to teach privately by St. Paul in both Timothy and Titus. They're allowed to teach their children. Consider what Aquinas says here. This is, I'm sorry, I'm not trying to gloat. This is especially gratifying. He deals with both of these objections at once. Uh, consequently, and this is in his commentary on 1 Timothy chapter 2, Thomas Aquinas. Consequently, Paul forbids women to teach. Against this, the vision wherewith Paul's own mother instructed him. Uh, I answer, just as, just as people were throwing that uh, objection to me. I answer, says Thomas, Thomas, that some teaching is public. Oh. And this does not belong to women. <laughs> okay. And thus, Paul says, in the church, some is private. And this, by a mother, teaches her son. A mother can privately teach her son. Okay? So that's why a woman, that's not, this isn't bringing the gospel in the sense of the Great Commission. That's all male. That's exclusively male. That's characteristically male. Um, St. Paul will even say uh, in a verse, it's not one of these. I think it's in First Peter, that women are permitted to teach privately little kids, but not for an extended amount of time. Because what, who does that belong to? Even teaching privately the family? That's the priest of the home, the father. Evangelization is the domain of men, my friends. St. Thomas goes on. But we read also that Deborah taught the people of Israel. This is St. Thomas, not me. The answer is that her learning came through the spirit of prophecy. This is analogizable to uh, the apparitions, which I'll address in a second. And the grace of the Holy Spirit does not distinguish between man and woman. Furthermore, she did not preach publicly, Deborah, neither did Mary at any of the apparitions. But she gave advice under the influence of the Holy Spirit, which is unisex, because under prophecy, which is basically what uh, um, the apparitions are by Mary, which is what the apparitions are. It's not the good news of the gospel anyway. That's evangelizing, the, bringing the good news. Um. This is uh, not public preaching, neither Deborah, nor any of the other female prophets, nor the Virgin Mary preached publicly. Okay, so that's, that's the third major mistake that people made, was uh, pri private revelation. Pri well, what about private revelation? And again, I, I kind of led off with this. Well, yeah, Fatima was instrumental to my reversion. And people were saying smug, I mean, it's so embarrassing. That how smug non-scholars are on Twitter. And I'm not trying to be rude. I'm just saying it goes to show that distinctions matter, expertise matters. Oh, 8 million, 9 million conversions in Mexico. Isn't that, doesn't that count as evangelizing? Well, that's an evangelical ramification. Uh, but that's not what it means to bring the good news. And St. Thomas says it explicitly here. This is still not public, publicly um, teaching.
Let's use the word teaching because then you're going to tempt people to make this first mistake. Homiletics, that's preaching. No, public teaching belongs to men, laymen too, for Christianity, okay? The Virgin Mary, let's, let's assess. These were private revelations. This, this is very specific. These are private revelations. With Fatima, she spoke to three little kids. Even if you called this teaching, even though it's more like prophecy, even if it were teaching, it's three little kids. And guess what? This is kind of funny. Step pointed this out. The boy couldn't even hear. So maybe he's being guarded. I mean, he could have been, he could have been spoken to by a woman. It's because he didn't have sin. That's three little kids. That's private. It's private revelation. I thought you guys knew this. Uh, Lords, that was to one little girl. Akita, that was to one private nun. Guadalupe, the apparition in question, that's privately to one man, Juan Diego. So, of course, I mean, unless the, the fire, the storm that, you, that some were trying to bring down on my head, unless they were saying that I didn't believe that the apparitions had evangelical force um, tertiarily, uh, quaternarily, right, in the third or the fourth sense. Well, that's stupid. I said this was the thing keeping me in the faith. The point is, Mary had no authority to teach, to, to teach publicly. And apparition, and St. Thomas Aquinas says it. It must be private, which is why Mary didn't do it. Here's St. Paul, by the way, in 1 Timothy uh, chapter 2, verse 12. I do not permit a woman to teach or to exercise authority over man. Rather, over a man. Rather, she is to remain quiet. Why? Because we fell from the loquacity of a woman and the passivity of a man. It's very clear. Jesus is the new Adam. Mary is the new Eve. Mary's not going to make the same original sin, the same mistake, violating Scripture that Eve did. So essentially what it boils down to is, People made these three things. They thought I meant private revelation, private teaching, or I was restricting it to homiletics, but expanding that restriction. Those were the three comments. No, no, no. I just showed you how. Thomas, Thomas uh, obliterates this. He says, um, uh, let's see, similarly, 1 Peter 3, verses 1 through 6, I'll read you that in a second, establishes that the submission of the wife, she being the hidden person of the heart, hidden, private, uh, obedient like Sarah before Abraham is a first principle of household patriarchy. That's my commentary. Here's, here's, um, here's that verse. Likewise, you wives, be submissive to your husbands. This is not Ephesians 5, by the way. Remember all those times I told you Ephesians 5, 21 through 24 is not the only place in the Bible even where wives are commanded to be silent and submissive to their husbands. There's also 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. I know these don't get talked about. I know no other books have written, been written about this because people want to avoid the kind of fire I was seeing yesterday. I don't. Something's wrong with me. I like it. But it's the truth. Here's what he says. Likewise, you wives, be submissive to your husbands, so that some, though they do not obey the word, may be won without a word by the behavior of their wives. My, my priest friend, my confessor, sent this to me. He's like, Women only evangelize in the sense of silence, chastity, modesty. They do not evangelize the true way with words. When they, um, the husbands are evangelized when they see your reverent and chaste behavior, wives, 
Let not yours be the outward adorning with the braiding of hair, decoration of gold, wearing of fine clothing, but let it be the hidden person of the heart. This means Mary, who was the hidden person of the heart. She never spoke. She never acted out. She never did publicly. She probably taught Jesus privately. She probably didn't teach, but she probably relayed the infancy narratives to John. That's not what we're talking about. That's not bringing the gospel. Bringing the gospel is the Great Commission. With imperishable jewel of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. So, so once the holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves and were submissive to their husbands as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. This is in holy scripture. And as you are now with her children, if you do right and let nothing terrify you. I mean, that's, that's good stuff. Now, um, this is uh, Chrysostom writing about these two passages. First, uh, Timothy chapter 2 and First Peter. He says, Now it is not the same thing to be deceived by a fellow creature, one of the same kind, as by an inferior and subordinate animal. Adam was deceived by a fellow creature. Uh, Eve was deceived by a subordinate animal. Chrysostom's kind of brutal here, but this is him, not me. He's a saint. Uh, this is truly to be deceived. Compared, therefore, with the woman, he is spoken of as not deceived. For she was beguiled by an inferior and subject, he by an equal. Again, it is not said of the man that he saw the tree was good for food because he wouldn't have been tricked that way. Jerome agrees, Augustine agrees, Aquinas agrees. Man wouldn't have been tricked if he wouldn't have been cucked first. The only reason he got tricked was because he believed his wife. He wouldn't have believed the servant. Men must be the public voice of the family. But the woman was tricked, and that she did eat and give to her husband, so that he transgressed, not captivated by appetite, but merely from the persuasion of a wife. Here's the key line. The woman taught once and ruined all. On this account, therefore, Paul saith, let her not teach. He's not, this is, a, I mean, I just, I don't know, guys. It's kind of gratifying. Everything I was saying yesterday, I was, by the way, I was just, I was just tweeting out a chain of these things because I have them on lock because I'm kind of the guy that just wrote the book on all this. The woman taught once. One time is all it took for women to teach once. And it wasn't really even publicly. But Paul's in scripture is iffy on women even teaching their husbands behind, behind the scenes. That's where there gets to be some uh, scholarly dispute. Aquinas thinks, yes, you know, a man can get counsel from his wife. Most of the patristics do too, privately. But usually they should just do it non-verbally. But if they need to, if their husband's really errant, go ahead and give counsel. That's fine. St. Paul seems to be more hardcore. And Chrysostom is pretty much more hardcore too about that other issue. But about this, he says, the woman taught once and ruined all. That's all it took to require the new man of the new woman not to confuse their roles. That's Jesus and Mary. She taught once and ruined all. On this account, therefore he saith, let her not teach. So this is another paragraph. Here's another one by Chrysostom. Now he's t uh, this is his commentary specifically on First Timothy. I do not suffer a woman to teach, St. Paul says. What place has this command here? The fittest. 
He was speaking of quietness, of propriety, of modesty. So having said that he wished them not to speak in the church, he's not talking about, this is not a sermon here, a homiletics, a homily. This is not to speak in, he means ecclesiologically, teaching about church. To cut off all occasion of conversation, he says, let them not teach, but occupy the station of learners which you consistently see Mary's greatness. She was the greatest woman because she was the greatest learner, not the greatest bringer of good news. Why wasn't she there in, in Matthew at the Great Commission if she was? If the bishop was right, and I don't know, I don't think he was trying to be a feminist. There are all these feminist presuppositions in the ether, in the air, in the water, and he, he accidentally tweeted this out. Same thing with the knee-jerk response by all of the left caths and even some of the right caths that came after me. Let them not teach, but occupy the station of learners. That's why Mary wasn't sent out. Then, then in Acts, they were sent out two by two. That's more than just the 11. They were all male. To evangelize, all male. Mary's not an exception. For thus, Chrysostom uh, continues, they will show submission by their silence. He's talking about women. To undo the sin of Eve. And this is why the feminists hated uh, Genesis, by the way. This is why the feminists hated Christianity's interpretation of Genesis, of, in, which is in the Jewish Bible. And they all say this. So, I mean, I'm just reading you the actual Christian part that's chapter 2. The feminists are all pointing at this. They're like, this is bad. In the 1800s, like, this is bad. We can't be Christian feminists. Then they started lying in the 1900s. Chrysostom finishes by saying, for the sex is naturally talkative, and for this reason, he restrains them on all sides. Okay? So, Sorry, the camera, went out. Camera, camera glitch here. Okay, sorry about that. For the sex is naturally somewhat talkative, says Chrysostom, interpreting scripture. He's one of the fathers. And for this reason, he restrains them on all sides. Remember, don't forget now, we're dealing with those three misconceptions. If I'm being honest, guys, those three pretty snotty misconceptions where people on Twitter, they think they have you in a corner. And I was like, I, I said, for one thing, private revelation was the first misconception. Private teaching of children was the second. And then homiletics was the third misconception. People were putting words in my mouth. I was like, well, for one thing, my, in my tweet, I said, in life. So I knew where the bishop was going. I knew he was talking about Guadalupe. So I specifically sidestepped that. Then with the second tweet, I kind of backed into it. I wasn't backing out of the argument. Uh, my first tweet that people were already not liking to the bishop was, in life, meaning when Mary lived here. That's beyond question. right? I mean, so is it. The, the Marian apparitions are also beyond question. They're not public teaching. They're called private by the church. If you think that the Marian apparitions are public teaching, check, get off the internet, get off Twitter, and go check what the teaching of the church is. They're private revelation. I accept the ones that the church has, has, uh, has given as worthy of belief, but you don't even have to believe the Marian apparitions to be a practicing Catholic. They're not de fide in that way. You're allowed to believe them. Why? Because Mary, a woman, would be at most speaking privately 
or through this capacity of prophesying, like Deborah, who Thomas Aquinas says, is there a, is there a tension between Scripture, which is inerrant, and St. Paul says women can't teach, and Deborah? Now, Aquinas didn't know about any or many of the Marian apparitions. They began really, really to, to amp up the last 500 years, right? But so Deborah and Mary are similar. No, this is private. It's totally worth, she could do that. That's not evangelizing, though. That's not public teaching about Christianity. It's not, the best definition is bringing the good news. If you count anything that anyone does, by the way, that has an evangelical effect, I was talking about this with Elliot Hulse, too, then guess what? The Satanists that I started noting all around me, well, then they're evangelists, too. If, if it's just a passive effect, because I started noticing, and I, I have some friends that I'm currently working on bringing into the faith. My buddy, quite frankly, I'll be on his show this week. He remarks, oh, it's the dark side as a sort of counterproof that's proving these guys are evil and they all hate Christianity. So you'd be calling Satanists evangelical if evangelizing could be this passive force and still be called evangelizing right? Mary spoke to one or two or three people at all of those apparitions, private, not violating scripture, as Thomas Aquinas says. Private revelation, it's even designated that by the church, and that's why it's allowed. Women teaching her sons. Thomas even says a woman teaching her son, Saul of Tarsus, who becomes Paul, doesn't violate scripture because it's private. Private teaching, to children, not to men. Scripture denies women authority over men, particularly in church things. And private revelation. Again, Thomas Aquinas, I have to reread it. Consequently, Paul forbids women to teach. I already read this once. Against this, the vision wherewith one's mother instructed him, to which I answer that some teaching is public and this does not belong to woman. And thus he says in the church, some is private. And by this, a mother teaches her son. But we also read, and this is the Marian apparition thing, that Deborah taught the people of Israel. People love saying this. The answer is that her learning came through the spirit of prophecy. And the grace of the Holy Spirit does not distinguish between man and woman. Because they're an instrumentality. Thomas talks at great length about prophecy in other places. Furthermore, she did not preach publicly that's evangelized. Deborah did not evangelize, and she's even in the Old Testament, but gave advice under the influence of the Holy Spirit, just as Mary did. And also, Mary at the apparitions was not bringing the good news. She was not evangelizing, even if she was speaking to that whole crowd. No one in the crowd could hear her. She was talking to three kids, or two, or one, in Lourdes and uh, Guadalupe. Okay, so this is important stuff. This is very important stuff. And each of the, this cup, God Save the Patriarchy, you can get it on our uh, YouTube page or on Timothy J. Gordon. They have, each of them, a scripture verse. I was trying to go through these on Twitter. I'm like, forget it. I got off Twitter. I was trying to go through each one. Each one says something that would blow your mind. And it's inerrant. And I read you First Peter. And it's shocking to the extent that it's inerrant, because you haven't been told this. The case for patriarchy is the first place. I mean, the reviews have been raved so far. It's the first place people are reading this. And throughout this book, by the way, 
what comes up time and again is Mary, the new Eve, did not evangelize. And it didn't piss anybody off because the medium's the message. Twitter is built to make people think that they can catch one another. People that, if I'm being honest, are usually embittered, the ones that hang out there too long. I announce my shows, sometimes get caught in a little hurly-burly, but I'm not on there. It started getting scrappy yesterday. I'm like, peace, I'll do a show on this. I'll do a show or a book because you can get into depth and make the case. Twitter, people are trying to trip you up. And people are like, you didn't say, you didn't say uh, in life that Mary couldn't evan uh, didn't evangelize in life. In your first tweet, they didn't realize in my first tweet I did. They were looking at something lower in the thread where I didn't stipulate in life. I've now given you the reason that even after her life, in her life in heaven, Mary's apparitions don't count as evangelization either. Um, okay, so there is one exception, by the way, that is to me most curious that, that Steph and I puzzled over for a long time after even having her write a book. Women are allowed to write even about um, things Catholic. They're not allowed to teach publicly, but they are allowed to write and I can, I can get uh, St. Paul's exception for this up when they are addressing other women. And it, it, since women aren't really supposed to be out there with a bullhorn in public anyway, that's the sin of Eve that Mary's undoing. The sin of Adam is his passivity and his cuckedness that Jesus was undoing by being so efficacious. Um, the, it's, it's interesting that women, we're not exactly sure of the context, but women are permitted to teach other women. Steph's book, because some people are, again, you're not going to catch me out. I'm sorry. Not on this one, guys. Sorry. Sorry. Look at me. You're not going to catch me out. Steph's book, we puzzled over this. We looked up scripture. We were checking stuff before. We were even like, are you even allowed to write a book? The e-girls and the e-priests pose a real problem because this all started with uh, a couple e-priests. The, the, the bishop didn't have a problem with what I was saying. You know, he look, he spoke a little loosely, got caught up. He probably didn't even see it. it was a few e-priests that need to get off the Twitter. And e-girls, at one point when I first came out and I was on TNT for six months, Steph had a Twitter account, first eight months. Steph had a Twitter account and it was bad. So we were like, this is bad and this is in, in vile. This is in vile of what you're supposed to be doing. So I told her, I was like, look, I think you should get off. And when I, the day I told her, she was like, I'm ready to. That's right. But when it comes to her book, which is addressed to women, specifically, <laughs> women. but what type of women? Catholic women. Who are married. Married. This is the precise <laughs> class. I, you're not going to catch us out. I'll I'm sorry. Die. This is the precise class of people that St. Paul makes an exception in Titus chapter 2, verses 3 through 5, 4, I'll read it in a sec. We thought about that for months. Like, should I do this? We researched it. We looked into it. It's just so funny people think they're going to trip us up. Because you know what? I wouldn't have done it if I wasn't allowed to do it. Well, it's a chapter in your book. <laughs> Steph's second chapter in her book is called, Is This Book a Performed Contradiction? Yeah. And it's all about that. And she, she just goes through and deballs the argument. Pardon the, the pun. Um, 
she goes through and she gets it. Okay, and it's with this, Titus chapter 2. This is where women are allowed to do something approaching teaching, though St. Paul and the patristics still imply that it shouldn't be in public with a bullhorn, even if the audience is all women. Uh, scholars dispute this. See, when it's actually disputed and it's not just a, just a bash dunk, you know, a 360 windmill dunk, I kind of stay away from it. You guys think what I said yesterday is on the edge? Not even close. I'm sorry. If you think that it's on the edge to say Mary's not allowed to teach publicly, you don't know Scripture. And what does Jerome say? Ignorance of Scripture is ignorance of Christ. And the proof is you don't know Jesus is the new Adam, Mary is the new Eve, men are supposed to be public, women are supposed to be cloistered. Here's what St. Paul says that does allow women to teach not only other women, but particularly married women, most of them are younger, who need to be told to ask your husband. <laughs> okay. So, likewise, he says, teach the older women to be reverent in the way they live, not to be slanders or addicted to too much wine, but to teach what is good. Then they can urge the younger women to love their husbands and children, to ask their husbands, some might say, to be uh, self-controlled, to be pure, to be busy at home, to be kind, to be subject to their husbands so that no one will malign the word of God. You see that? No one will malign the word of God when the women are busy at home, not out preaching the gospel, which Mary never did. I, Sorry, you're just wrong if you think Mary preached the gospel. I don't mean in a sermon, because these people, a lot of these people forget. I said that five minutes ago, so you're going to forget. Women aren't allowed to preach the gospel. Simpliciter. Which is why Mary didn't. You think Mary's going to violate teaching of Scripture? No. We'll get to the simpliciter version of the argument when people, the, the bitterest, the actual leftists on Twitter, it wasn't only the leftists that were coming after me. It was a lot of people with an axe to grind, a lot of angry, angry folks about unrelated matters, um, centrists who just are clueless and they throw these, they throw the spaghetti at the wall, see what will stick. I just, private revelation, eh, private teaching, eh, homiletics, no. Um, but then there are left the residuum, the residue of the leftists who were saying what? Well, so you're telling me I shouldn't have a female RCIA instructor? <laughs> and they're getting, yes. That's not a stipulation. That's just a yes. Now do you see? Now, let me just take back off here. All the, the RCIA instructors are women. Now do you see why I love the Latin mass, same as you, right? But do you see now how infiltrated even the trad right wing is? I always talk about this. You visit a cultural Catholic, a Novus Ordo Catholic for dinner, and it's just the wife running everything, right? Saying prayer, telling people to sit down. You visit a trad home, and 99 times out of 100, it's just a slightly more codified version of that feminism, that Eve-like feminism rather than the Marian masculism, diminution. There, at the trad household, it's the wife who you can still tell. I, I, know, I know all the indicia. I know all the tells. The wife's still running the home, but she's kicking the husband under the table. You need to lead the prayer. You need to look like the leader. 
You need to pantomime being the leader. She's still the leader. If someone's telling you it's your duty to lead, I'm, I'm telling you you need to lead. Lead now. They're the leader, okay? And that's what it is at 99 out of 100 trad homes. Now, there's still one out of 100 trad homes where I'm like, that's good. That's legit. That's You could tell the man is fashioning his life after Jesus and the woman is fashioning her life after Mary. One out of 100 trad homes. But 99 out of 100, the man, whether he knows it or not, is more like Adam and the woman is more like Eve. And that's why this book is not, this is why I'm like, yeah, I love the Latin mass. But the feminism, which has crippled the lower hierarchy, the lower patriarchy, the household patriarchy, it's pretty much crippled at almost the same rate. Trads. Take this moment, people out there who are listening, drink up what scripture says inerrantly and say, wow, as much as I thought I was totally safe from feminism and all the forces of feminism, I want to address one of the main claims of feminism in a second. Uh, I thought I was safe as a trad. I thought I was so, because I, I tweet a hundred times a day about the Latin mass and, you know, about I love chants, not hymns and veiling all that. Look, we like all that stuff too. You probably don't need to talk about that so much if I'm being honest. What I see a need for in among trads, many of whom came after me yesterday, question asked, question answered, is the man needs to be running the home. The man needs to have a proper view before he can do that, that man has to be the active principle, woman has to be the passive principle. Jesus is 100% efficacious. He was never quiet. Except uh, his quiet, his silence, by the way, I just read something great. His silence to the three political leaders, Pilate, Herod, and who else was it? Oh, the, the uh, head of the Sanhedrin. His silence is a kind of barb. That's the only time Jesus is ever silent. He's always talking. He's always saying something. He's always dissing someone that needs to get dissed. He's 100% of a case doing miracles. That's outward. It's public, public revelation. He's the, the font of public revelation himself, right? Mary speaks like two, three times. Is it two times? She's, she's undoing Eve. Jesus is undoing Adam. Now, one thing that the more open leftists were saying, aside from like, oh, you're telling me my RCIA instructor shouldn't be female. Yes. <laughs> one of the other embarrassing things they were saying, um, it's a term that they'll typically use when they say something so idiotically feminist that's so against the very essence of Christianity, which is the patriarchy, and it's all about this sex relations stuff, undoing the sex relations of Adam and Eve, Christianity. They'll say, if I read you this Thomas quote, I think J.D. Flynn said this. It was, really, it was really weak. They'll say, oh, well, you're just proof texting. Proof texting is not finding uh, thou shalt not kill in the Ten Commandments and saying, uh, look, look what I found. If I'm trying to prove to a murderer that what he did is wrong, is actually thou shalt not murder in the Hebrew, right? Thou shalt not murder. You did it wrong. He can't say to me, I'm proof texting. <laughs> Okay, proof texting is when you generalize from a specific that doesn't follow and the specific premise, a more specific thread in an argument, if you trace it up, 
it it proves to be uh, uh, efficacious in a wholly different context, which is actually what most people are doing when they accuse you of proof texting is proof texting. J.D. Flynn, uh, uh, it's a little difficult to explain, but he was actually proof texting when he said that I uh, was wrong because I was overgeneralizing this admonition against women teaching and saying, you know, it should only really apply to homiletics. It was like, well, no, you're, you're taking a specific out of context. That's proof texting. Proof texting is not having a dynamite on point quote from Aquinas saying, I answer that some teaching is public and this does not belong to the woman. And thus he says in the church, uh, a woman can teach her son only because it's private. It's not proof texting when, uh, John Chrysostom and all the other patristics say something similar. I had to throw out quotes because I'm so rife with them for this book. I threw out a bunch of on-point quotes. I've never done that before. I always use all the quotes I can find. I had so many because all the patristics are saying this. Women can't do anything that the feminists were saying they can do. And even the trads are brainwashed. It's not proof texting for me to say Chrysostom writing on Commenting on sacred scripture, 1 Timothy says, For the sex is naturally somewhat talkative, females. And for this reason, he restrains them on all sides from teaching. They should show submission by the silence. That's not proof texting. It's not proof texting for me to say, Chrysostom in another commentary says, The woman taught once and ruined all. On this account, therefore, Paul saith, Let woman not teach. Not talking about homiletics. By the way, I invited... At least one of those e-priests, was it, was it, there were, there were two or three coming at me. They're, they're probably still. It was Father, Kate, Father Chase. Father, Father Chase. Chase, I invited him on and I said, look, man, just, just come on and we'll, we'll talk about it. Like you're, for one thing, you're taking my second tweet. Like it's the first one. I'd love to talk to you about the second tweet and the first one. He's like, uh, you're backing off. I was like, I'm, I'm not backing off. I, 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 I'm going to defend what I said a hundred percent. Not out of pride, but because it's 100% right. And um, he wrote something really, really snarky. He was really rude. I, I, what did I, he say? I sent him a really said nice... no free clout, and yeah. then he blocked us. I, I wrote him a nice message and said, yeah, like, let's, let's get you on or whatever. And then, like, he was super rude, and he blocked me immediately. It's just, it's, what about encounter, father? And... Meet us at the meet us at the you know dialogue with us at the periphery, which is what I was asking him to do. He said no free clout, which is ironic. I don't want to go through all the reasons why it's ironic. I mean, I've I've studied this stuff for many more years with more degrees, more closely than he has, and you know I I have a bigger platform. But I guess he meant because he's ordained and I'm not. Fair enough in that sense. But I it wasn't an attempt to do clout. It was an attempt to let people adjudge for themselves. The reason debate is good and holy, I guess we're debating what is the meaning of to evangelize, though it's, it's clear. It means to bring the gospel publicly. Um, the reason debate's good is because it enables you to see both adversaries doing their best. If you want to figure out who's better, the Los Angeles Lakers or the Boston Celtics, gee, I'm scratching my head. What should we do? I can't think. Should we uh, make them debate? debate politics if we want to find out who's the better basketball team should we have them phone in phone a friend no you have them play basketball against each other but these people won't um won't debate me yeah 
Are there any questions? Yeah, um, uh, people are mentioning, what about nuns teaching publicly? Mother Angelica, not, like the religious sisters, those sorts of women. That's a very good question. Now, nun, that, that's a very good question. So nuns, um, remember in, in Titus, nuns teaching each other is uh, perfectly fine because it's women teaching women, uh, humans helping humans. Nuns teaching school children is perfectly fine. Aquinas makes this uh, uh, in his commentary on Paul. He says that's fine. Uh, Paul's commentary, Paul seems to make room for it, but that's just where he, he's not specific enough, and that's why you do need the commentary tradition of the patristics and the scholastics, specifically the patristics who are actually the fathers. Where it gets hairy is um, a, a nun teaching any man, any fully grown man publicly. So TV... That I'm not saying I know that's wrong. I'm saying I'm I'm looking for a way that that's not that that to square that. See, contrary to what J.D. Flynn was saying, I did. I was just trying to be provocative. I'm looking for a way because I love Mother Angelica, right? Um, I'm looking. I, I I was doing this for two years as I wrote Case for Patriarchy. I was looking for a way to situate. A television, uh, you know, a nun equivalent of um, Archbishop Fulton Sheen. Um, yeah, it's not the spirit of prophecy. It's not the spirit of prophecy. I mean, if this is just look, this is like the one area. So, the main, my main point in coming to you today was the Virgin Mary. I'm the one standing up for her when a bishop, not that he intended to, when he says that she taught publicly. That's he, he's attacking her, even though he's trying to give her praise. So I was standing up for the Virgin Mary, saying, "No, no, she would never do that. She's the new Eve. Eve taught, and because Eve taught, we all fell to ruin." I only read you mainly Chrysostom and Thomas's commentary. I'm telling you, Jerome, Ambrose, Augustine, Bede has gets in on it. Some, a lot of that's in here, but I I only went through. I, I'm not just going to sit here and, and proof text. But I, I can't say I'm sure that it's all right for, because Paul categorically restricts women from teaching grown men publicly. Women can, instru can um, give counsel to their husbands. And women, you know, St. Paul says in inerrant scripture, should mainly do this by being just the, a paragon of self-restraint and uh, chastity, modesty, silence. But if hey, if, if a woman has to tell her husband, you're not taking me to church, that's that's clearly fine. That's not public teaching. I haven't yet, you're not the first person to ask it, I haven't yet been able to situate a way that Mother Angelica fits, which would be not a problem with the church, that would be a problem with her. But I'm open to it. because Look, I mean, I've defended Mother Angelica from attacks, pub public attacks, Many of you might remember what those were. I don't want to get all the way into that, but I am a fan, and I'm looking for a way to situate that. Being a nun um, removes, I'll, I'll say this, being a nun removes Mother Angelica or any other nun from the occlusion, from the preclusion of like working and, and being out there uh, from First Peter and from Ephesians chapter 5. Being a nun, you can you can be work, you can be out there. You're not a, a married woman, you're not a wife. 
I'm not sure where to find the 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 locus in quo, the proof text for if we're using it the way Flynn and those guys use it, the the, the feminists and modernists. Um, I'm not sure where that would be. How to distinguish them teaching publicly? I, I'm open to it though, and I'm not saying I'm confident. I'll always tell you, look, I'm a hundred percent certain here. I'm a hundred percent certain Mary did not bring the gospel in her life, which was my original text. And then with my second text, I, I'm like, I'll expand this. I'm not backing out. I'm backing into the argument. Um, the apparitions don't count as publicly bringing the gospel either, evangelizing, right? That's that's private, private revelation, private private prophecy. Aquinas addressed it. I read it only three times for you. Um, so my intent yesterday, it should suffice to say, was to defend the Blessed Virgin Mary from an accidental attack, from an um, implied attack from a, a party, a bishop who I think was not at all, had no ill will. Is that clear? Because she can't do that. The, the, the Virgin Mary can't violate the Bible. Uh, you know, she can't violate um, Old Testament and New Testament combined. Uh, if, if there aren't, yeah, hit me with questions. What about Joan of Arc? She was a public leader. Joan of Arc was not a public leader, right? So she she was, again, um, I think an unmarried woman. She never fought in a battle. And there's one girl, one trad girl on, on Twitter, or, or a trad woman, I'm not trying to be disrespectful. It's just uh, a trad woman on Twitter who I know yesterday joined the throng, you know, coming at you with knives out. The, the, you know, the people who haven't studied this for the last two years, the way I have, with knives out um, about uh, Blessed Virgin Mary and public teaching. She was mad because I'd had an interaction with her a week before about Joan of Arc. Joan of Arc was, again... not married, right? Young, young uh, maiden, young virginal maiden, who w- was not required to be in the home because not married, not yet married, and she never fought a battle. That's a demonstrable fact. You, most of you, have been lied to about that. Some of you might have heard me say it before. The easy, easy fact check in history. Of course not, right? That's not the Holy Spirit does miracles like turning. <laughs> water into wine and then wine into blood, but the Holy Spirit is not going to do some sort of transgender thing where women, Joan of Arc, it would have been horrible. She would have been, it would have been brutal for her to be in a battle. A little 17 or 18-year-old girl would have been um, brutalized. So she never would have fought in a battle. That wouldn't have been okay. That would have been immoral. I made a comment. Father Allen was commending me on my comment uh, an hour before I commented on the bishops, uh, Mary was the greatest evangelist tweet about all of these tough guys, tough guy MMA accounts and fighting accounts, who uh, many of whom I like and I respect, and that's why I follow them on Twitter, who were, were talking about the Pena fight, the, the, the girl fight, and, and encouraging it. And I said, look, shame on you. I, th- I thought these are supposed to be macho accounts. This is bad for the sport. To have the female fighters, and it's it's bad for the the women, and and shame on all you guys. We sh- this is this is the emperor's new clothes. We are living through the emperor's new clothes, and you guys all think I'm talking about transgender. Yeah, there's a bit of that too with pronouns, but the big one that none of you know to talk about is the emperor's new clothes with sex, men, women. 
women acting like men everywhere. Fighting. It is a shame. It is for shame. Okay, question. Uh, of course, Mary didn't evangelize, but what about St. Catherine of Siena? Now, that's the other question that I haven't been able to get to the bottom of. I'm glad someone asked this. And I'm glad to, sh to show you, I'm not just being a know-it-all, the two years I wrote this book, what did I tell you last night? I don't get the female doctors. Now, they weren't public evangelizing, so I guess women could write. I guess Steph and I, because of Catherine of Siena and the few other female doctors of the church, um, I guess Steph and I were being hyper-conservative by worrying, oh, can you only write this book and address women? She was only addressing women anyway because she's got good instincts. Right, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna tell a bunch of men how to run their household. Right, they're the boss. I'm writing for women. She she did that even before she made that distinction. You know, this is what I want to write the book on. Go ask your husband. Ask your husband before we even kind of fact checked ourselves before she started writing it. But yes, Catherine of Siena. Uh, there are a couple other ones. Right, I um, Teresa of Avila. I don't understand how they can be called doctors of the church. It must be that there's a, a gradation here. I mean, now I'm just reasoning a priori. I don't have the authority in the church, and I've looked. These are interesting questions. I mean, like, I appreciate the phraseology of this question when someone's like, well, of course, of course, the Blessed Virgin Mary wouldn't um, bring the gospel. That'd be a clear violation of the gospel. You can't bring it as you violate it, Right. But um, what about Catherine of Siena? That's a very good question. Why are there female doctors of the church? I'm open to any answer there. I'm asking any any of the Catholic answers guys or any who, who tend to be of much better will than some of the uh, the types that were coming at me yesterday. Any of those guys, I am curious. Now I know there's a, a, a little strain of feminism within all of these outfits, but. I would trust Catholic answers to, to give a more honest answer than, I don't know, J.D. Flynn. So this is a good question, and it's kind of between the categories. The church is always right, so somehow we can have female doctors of the church, but that's a technicality. It's not public preaching. It's not public teaching with one's voice. So maybe that's the distinction. One, uh, a, a unique woman like Deborah, though that's prophecy, that's a little different, can use the written voice. Uh, okay, this one is, would you say female saints advise privately? Here, I need to see this a little more, sorry. Uh, we now know publicly because the church has shown us publicly. Uh, yeah, well, so the, the medium is the message. The way, yeah, I mean, it, private revelation is private revelation. You don't you don't say this is an, a dif distinction between first and second potency, right? Any secret is public in second potency. You know, I, hey, I tell you a secret, and you go and you tell all the world. Isn't that public information? Well, no. By definition, look at the way defamation cases are. are you know, New York Times versus Sullivan. If I tell you a secret and you publish it to all the world, defamation. It is. Uh, the character of a message is adjudged by its medium, okay? So no, any secret can be conveyed, and then and conveying it is public. The What the admonition is about women teaching in the church is they can't teach uh, 
They can't teach publicly because they would be usurping, St. Paul uses the word usurping, the authority of household patriarchs, men, laymen. I'm not just talking about priests. I'm talking about household priests. They can't teach publicly, and also that would be the, the, uh, the vice of Eve. There are a lot of reasons it's wrong, but in one place it's because they'd be usurping men's authority, and they'd be doing something contrary to their own uh, private nature. Uh, Matt Frad gave a response to the idea that it is a sin for a mother to work outside the home. Could you flesh out your position on this? Um, yeah, no, this is this is a different issue, but one that that there's also no um, no wiggle room on. What would, did you say, a mother or a wife? Could you? I think it's wife or mothers. Mothers, I think it's mothers. Yeah. So the the Council of Trent, uh, Catechism of Trent makes this really really clear. Uh, so does the book of Sirach, chapter 25. Uh, I'll just read you from the Catechism of Trent, the duties of a wife. Uh, it's, it's, it's really clear, and it, it's not. this isn't my opinion. I gave my opinion on, okay, what about Mother Angelica? That's an opinion, and I notice I, I tend to steer away from giving much at all. I gave my opinion on... I don't, and it's usually kind of, I don't know, on um, the female doctors of the church. I, I was agreeing with your perplexion about both of those. It's the only time I've opined all day, aside from some, some passing remarks I made about Twitter and the, the, you know, losery attraction that it has for people that hang out there more than a little time. Uh, here's what uh, Catechism of Trent says about women that feminists hate, by the way. Uh, to train their children in the practice of virtue, to pay attention to the domestic concerns should be the special objects of their attention. The wife should love to remain at home unless compelled by necessity to go out. Let me reread that. The wife should love to remain at home unless compelled by necessity to go out. What I was trying to drive home to Matt when we had our chat on this that I think he kept missing, I, I think he still's missing, may, maybe not, is that um, any time prudentially holy teaching instructs our uh, our dispositions like you ought to like caramels that that's weird you're like i have to like something so what it's saying here the wife should love that's that's a disposition to remain at home it, it, that influences the passions unless she's compelled by necessity to go out is what it's saying essentially is the people that are itching to do it the the women who are itching to go work because like oh i have to get a job because i hate staying home this is what a lot of my female friends who work will say i'm like okay well that's explicitly you can't do that you can't hate to remain at home that's a that's a defeat a violation right or it's a categorical violation i'm not sure if it's a defeat a but it's a violation of trent um now, when it when you get into what about everyone's so poor, blah blah blah, the next it's a that's a little more arguable because it's like unless compelled by necessity to go out, then all of a sudden you're arguing about necessity. Well, do you really need three cars or even two cars? What if you took one car, you homeschooled, and your husband has the sole job? I did that, you know, for for many years as a school teacher. And I had six kids in the like second or first most expensive state. My wife just stayed home, and we had two cars, but we didn't even need to. Um, 
But then, then it goes on. Categorically, women have to love staying home. So they can't get a job because they dislike staying home, which is most of them. Um, and she should never presume to leave home without her husband's consent. So it's pretty clear here that the wife should love to remain home unless compelled by, I would say, hard necessity to go out. Um, many popes, many, many, many popes, six in the 20th century, just to prove this is 500 years old and it's not outmoded or something. It's you know a catechism, so it can't be. Um, six 20th century popes say the goal of this entire set of Catholic economics, Rerum Navarum, Quadragesimo Anno, uh, Cassie Canubi, Pius XII gave an address to women, is single income. Um, and I think Pius Twelfth said that it is a, and John Paul II, who is something of a feminist, said it is an indescribable, intolerable evil for women to have to work. Okay. Now, they, he did say for them to have to work. So where does that fit it? But we also have by the Catechism of Trent that they should love to remain at home. So you're kind of ruling out that they could get a job by preference or by necessity. I don't know. Where it's definitely clear that, that mar- and we're only talking about married women. We're not talking about singled women, right? Single women have to work. The church has always taught clearly on this. Married women will have to work if the husband gets injured or he, let's say, he shirks his responsibility, same as many husbands shirk their responsibility to teach about the faith. If he's just like, I'm staying home, I'm watching Oprah, you know, I'm cracking a natty light at uh, 11 a.m., then yeah, that, that counts as necessity. You're allowed to teach because it's private. The women, in that case. Yeah, can women be school teachers of children? Yes, is that what you mean? Oh, well, no, in the case that the husband isn't teaching the family, some people might say, oh, but Tim, you're saying women can teach. Again, that's private at, in the home. Oh, yeah, 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 women, women can teach. But, but look at the Brookings Institute. Um, look at their statistics. On, on what happens when the women teach, not to usurp the male authority, but because so many men are just cucks in our day and don't teach their family about Jesus and the Gospels and the sacraments. Um, the women who do this, they're doing their best. I am not blaming the women. I am praising the women. But look at what Brookings showed. When the woman is the sole person teaching and dragging the fam, the kids, to church, huge attrition rate. It's like only 25% uh, retention. When the man does his job because it's his nature, remember, Adam, Jesus, Eve, Mary, when, when the man does it, this is on the man, not the woman, because a, a woman who teaches because her husband won't is just doing the best she can. We've got a 25% chance of keeping the kids in the faith. But when a man does it and the kids see that the man is serious about the faith, it's a huge, huge retention rate. The kids, by retention, I mean they'll keep going to church. They'll believe. It's like 80% retention, 20%. Uh, uh, attrition. They flip. It's like 80, 20, 25, 75, or 75, 25 man, woman. That just shows what our natures are. But yes, there are some instances. I'm Look, I'm not a prudential Pez dispenser. I don't do that. Other Catholic apologists do that. I'm only giving you the categories. It says a woman can go out if she's compelled by necessity to go out. You be the judge of whether or not, you know, well, we want a second car. You don't need a second car, if you ask me. You be the judge, though. Whether well, we need a four-bedroom house. Really? You know, G- all these people lived in, like, one-bedroom houses from Jesus' gospel. Well, yeah, but in the suburbs, it's a different time. Well, I don't, I don't think that counts as need. You can live in a three-bedroom house. I, I mean, I don't know. That's how I would judge it. 
about school teachers, um, particularly. Um, Do I, is, the problem is people tune in late and people just forget, forget the thing. That's fine. School teachers, women, school teachers, uh, it's. Uh, it's not, it's not efficacious for the reasons I just adduced. It's not as efficacious as having men in theology departments. Um, but when school teachers are teaching children, Thomas Aquinas, and even strict old curmudgeonly St. Paul himself, God bless him, say that women can teach kids. Or St. Paul implies it, Thomas brings it out. Women can teach kids because it's private, and because they're not adults. When you get into teaching graduate school theology, we're in a uh, mother Angelica, female doctor situation. It, I, can't, I, can't, I can't figure out how this would be permissible. I can't figure if that's just the modernist church looking the other way, which it, part of me suspects, or there's some nuance within a nuance within a nuance that I'm missing, which also part of me suspects. So that's why, again, I'm not saying anything edgy here. I'm only sticking to what's absolutely sure. Um, but not married women. They can't. Married women can't teach at, at school. They're they're asking. What about school teachers that are female? Like no, mi my interpretation. That's pretty. Uh, this is not opinion. I think it's it's a close enough interpretation. I will give it. My interpretation of the Catechism of Trent, all the 20th century Pope teachings. Uh, the book of Sirach, chapter 25, it is a, a man brings shame on his household when he's supported by his wife. Uh, that's, that's old so you have the Old Testament. You have Paul saying that a woman should be of the hidden heart. She should be cloistered. She should be at home. You have the Catechism of Trent, and you have six 20th century popes all saying the goal should be a single income raised by a man. That's why employers should be good. Married women, we're kind of crossing categories. Any, any, any unmarried woman can do any job. Aside from when you get into teaching theology, teaching the gospel to men, then you're running into a different problem. But that's a different problem. You guys are now bringing up the old, can women work? Unmarried women? Obviously, they have to. Married women? The clear answer by Catechism of Trent and these other sources I cited is, it look, looks like no. And... um. And I mean, go back and ask Matt this. He's a, a very good guy. I, I you see what his answer is. I mean, just read him the Catechism of Trent and say, okay, what? How do you get around this? Um, I don't see a way around it. You need real necessity, hard necessity to go out. And then even JP two says it's a travesty, uh, uh, intolerable travesty, for a woman to be forced to work. So she can't choose to work. That would that would um, prima facie violate. Catechism of Trent, if it's legit necessity, that's fine, but it can't be one of these sort of half necessities where it's like, well, we wanted another car, because John Paul says that that is intolerable. So it's hard to see. Throw that at him and, and see what he says. Maybe he'll see an angle I'm not seeing. I, I debated Trent Horn on it, also a good guy, also a guy that generally I trust. Both those are trustworthy guys, and neither of them had a response to me in person. Okay, so if they're saying behind the scenes, oh, I figured it out, I'd like to hear what it is. I'm saying that sincerely. But just understand, that's a different question than can women teach the gospel publicly, bring the gospel publicly. No, even married women can't do that. They can help, uh, they can help younger women understand the requirements of the faith 
and they can help children and then they can teach their own children. Okay, any other questions? I mean, I, you know, I, I hoped for more, you know, I mean, you guys are a good crowd. God, God love you. I, I appreciate you. It's a million times better being able to do this on YouTube than on Twitter, which is just a hellhole. But I wanted more of the, the adversarial fire is more appropriate here where you can ask me questions in real time. That's why I invited that priest, Father Chase, come on. He basically just told me to pound sand. And I'm like, but I, I thought you thought you were really right, man. Can I just be honest with you guys about something? The most disappointing thing about Catholic, right, left, and center, Catholics nowadays, I think I understand part of it, but they don't, there's not honest engagement of ideas. I mean, this is a really important question, and it's also quite interesting, right? And I offered a perspective yesterday but if you go on the Twitter thread, I mean, go go if you can, if you have a Twitter account, but you don't use it, don't use it much, go go check this out. Click like on the uh, on this video, but also click like on my my original tweets. But you'll see I, I cited boom, 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 way more sources than I cited here. And like no one's picking up on them. So it's really disappointing as a Catholic. We're supposed to be the ultimate truth seekers, right? To to find People are, are really nasty, and they're edged in, at least on Twitter. Too, too many places in Catholic blogosphere and social media, there's not a, a, a pure desire to know, as Vatican II Bernard Lonergan said. It's just a fruity, fruity phrase, right? I don't, I don't see this pure desire to know that uh, Vatican II Bernard Lonergan was always talking about. I see people wanting, they're like, I caught you. I was like, you did nothing of the sort. You caught yourself. So it's disappointing. And it's also disappointing, uh, I, I can say this after three years, being out there as a, as a public Catholic, it's disappointing how nasty things get so quickly. It, they turn nasty and more ankle-bitery much more quickly than on conservative Twitter or even, even some subset of conservative Twitter. People just aren't trying to take each other down as much. That's not what I was doing to the bishop. I was just doing a correction. I was like, hey, yeah, she's definitely the queen of heaven. She's definitely the greatest saint, Mary. But here's why we can't say she evangelized and certainly wasn't the greatest evangelist because she didn't do any of it. And if she did, it would have violated scripture. But something about her passivity and her interior amen made her the greatest saint, greater than all the saints that did bring the gospel. It's amazing. Let women be women. Let men be men. Yeah, it's, it's really sad. It's really sad how bad the Catholic space is. I, I really, it's been like a deep, slow realization being out here like, wow, this is so much worse than secular conservative Twitter. It's really, it's rough. It's a rough go. And I know what the, I know the justification for it. It's because, look, we don't have leadership. We don't have that upper patriarchy, the clerical patriarchy to guide us. Who should be telling you the hard truth? Who should say, look, I know this sounds crazy because the world's telling you the opposite, that women and men are just the same, that women can do everything men can do and men can do everything women can do. Men can't. It's a sin for a man to wear a veil. St. Paul says this clearly. Uh, Jerome talks about it. Chrysostom Aquinas. It all has to do with headship. Headship has to do with teaching, by the way. It has to do with authority. Uh, a, a man can't do that, just as a woman can't not wear a veil. 
the bishop should be the one saying, yeah, Mary didn't, Mary didn't evangelize. Sorry, guys. Um, but instead, the bishop's saying the opposite. So then when you hear some layman, i.e. me, on my lonely old channel here, saying the opposite, it's like, what? And then, there, then, then it's just, it's the fractiousness and the immediate division, 39,000 separate sects, we have only nominal authority, just like who? The Protestants. The Protestants don't even have nominal authority. They have no authority. Scripture and tradition are forever. They'll stand up. But the magisterium, which is not infallible the way Scripture and tradition are, the magisterium is nominal for the last 150 years. They're not teaching the faith. They're not teaching you the things you need to know most, lay people. What are your roles as a wife and as a husband? What are the roles of men and women? We are not at, uh, we are not celibates the way the priests are supposed to be. So the marital act marks major distinctions in our lives and our sex roles within our marriage, and they will not address it. So you're going to hate the guy that, that talks about it. This is a good comment. So basically what Tim is saying is that millions of converts in Mexico came to the faith not through the evangelization of Our Lady of Guadalupe, but through her passive action of her presence and her image. Yes. And if you want to stretch and call it private teaching to Juan Diego, she, that's one man. Yeah, she, of course. Amen. Thank you for... Gloria Petri. <laughs> thank you. I mean, it's really, really pretty clear, right? That was not... Uh, the people on Twitter yesterday were talking about the apparitions. Fatima, 70,000 people were standing around the COVID area. Oh, it's amazing. I know. I told you people three years ago, and I've said it for three years straight, this was the main Catholic, the only Catholic thing keeping me in the faith when I was holding on by a thread, by a fiber. The only other thing keeping me in Christianity was an Eastern Orthodox writer named Fyodor Dostoevsky. Those were it. So I'm not denying that there's evangelical powers, but not all evangelical powers come from evangelizing right? Evangelical uh, ramifications don't all come from evangelizing. What does Aristotle say about um, just acts? What happens when a, con here's a question for my students, what happens when a continently just man performs a just act for the first time? He doesn't do it the right way, the right time, the way the just man would. Is he a just man? No, right? So a non-just man can perform a just act. Someone who's not evangelizing can have evangelical results, effects. Like, you see a Satan, uh, you see WikiLeaks 2016, Podesta and the Clinton staffers. That was a big moment for people like my friend, quite frankly. They're like, they're talking about the Catholic Church like it's, these are Satanists. <laughs> they're talking about the Catholic Church like it's the one real enemy. And they're doing spirit cooking to get their dark powers. That makes me want to go be Catholic. Well, you wouldn't call John Podesta an evangelist or evangelizing. Mary, in Acts, specifically is left behind. In Acts, they're sent out two by two. It's dozens of men to go bring the gospel. Not one woman. In the Great Commission in Matthew's gospel, missiology is a, is a Protestant teaching. We should have it too. The idea of being sent, sentness, missiology, to bring the gospel, it's all males. Jesus picked all male disciples. We're not talking about homilies. 
that you know that has something to do with the fact that that um, only males are supposed to be giving homiletics, but even laymen are allowed to preach and teach and bring the gospel, not lay women. And Mary was a lay woman. All right, so I think that's good. Uh, I hope I hope this was helpful. I think there's you know there's a lot to think about and a lot to do. Let me know your comments, and uh, we'll see you guys on the other side. God bless you. Get the book, Case for Patriarchy. You now see it's a needed book. There and 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 I'm surprised that the heat and the fire and the pressure took two and a half months to show up. This thing's been out since October the first. Go get this book today, Sophia Press. Uh, or or on Amazon.com. That's how you can support this show. And if you want to support me, I have lots of people now howling for my blood. Timothy J. Gordon at Patreon. God bless you guys. Long live the patriarchy. God save the patriarchy. You can get this glass with all of these lovely Bible verses written around uh, the sides. Desvolt, people. <laughs>